1: So let's do a mailbag here. And I'm going to, we have about 13 questions. It's most likely going to be what we have, unless so we get some super chats down here. We did have a super chat from Michael S. He says Armstrong twins from St. Ed's, Cleveland, Ohio State. Notre Dame not interested, or are they not interested in Notre Dame? Uh, there was never really an interest from Notre Dame on them. Doesn't mean that Notre Dame didn't think they were good players. It just meant Notre Dame liked the other players better. And then when you had the transition from Harry Heastan to, to uh, Joe Rudolph, obviously, any chance he would have had would have been gone during that transition. But look, Notre Dame very early on, Coach Eastand very early on had Styles Prescott and Gerby Lambert, Gerby number one, Styles number two, as really his top tackle targets. There were some other guys on the board that I know Coach liked, but he really zeroed in on those guys. If you remember, he made a couple stops, he made a couple trips down to to uh, Indianapolis area to to go to uh, Styles' high school. So, Coach Easton was very high, very high on on Styles Prescott, and there was, like I said, there's other guys on the board. They looked at Kevin Haywood; they didn't really like him as much. Ian Moore, they didn't like as much as the guys on the board. Andrew Sprague they liked, but there was a lot of questions about his hips and, you know, he's a little tight, stiff, and some things like that. But Coach Easton very early on, had Styles and Gerby as his top two guys. He loved them, and then of course, uh, Coach Rudolph came in and uh, sealed the deal with both of them to make it happen. So I just think they liked the other guys better and that's going to happen in recruiting. Sometimes you're going to like guys, but there's just other guys you like better. And they were in a position with styles and Gerby where they were the leader for those two kids for a long time. There was no need to expand the board there. And, uh, and they ended up getting it done. So that that's where that board was. Nicholas Gross says, is there pressure on Freeman as Leahy, Parsigan, divine and Holtz won national titles in their third years? Yes and no. Is there pressure on Marcus Freeman to win a title this year? Not for me the The pressure is on you have to see growth and you you should you should see more growth in year three than you did in year two and that's something I didn't talk about during the first part because I did see your question that to me is a big reason why next year needs to be a lot better is because the year three does allow you it's like we talked about before you know that growth from freshman to sophomore year is not going to be as great usually as growth from sophomore to junior year you, you usually see that. That's why I'm excited to see what Benjamin Morrison's gonna do this year because you're now going into year three. And, and so year three is that time where you should see that big jump from a coach, especially a younger coach who is less experienced, you know, and and you you can understand some of the mistakes that Marcus Freeman made in his first two years more than you can embrace the mistakes Brian Kelly made his first two years. Because Brian Kelly's been doing this as he liked to remind us, you know, for X number, you know, this many decades or whatever. Uh, Marcus Freeman was new at this, and you expect some of those mistakes. But now you're in year three. Those kinks need to be worked out, and it's time for you to make that big jump. But uh, but national title, I mean, it's a, it's a different era. The game is different. Notre Dame is different. I don't know that I would say he needs to win a title in year three or he's just not that guy. He may. He may win a title in year three. It's just more about the the, the jump. you got to make the jump. The growth is the key and not just another baby step. Or if you keep taking enough baby steps by year 13, you may win a national title, right? I'm not talking about that. You need to see that growth and that jump where you're like, there's no doubt about it, this program is better than it was, like significantly better than it was last year. Didn't didn't get the ultimate goal of what you wanted to do, but you're you're a lot closer there now than where you where you were before. And so that's kind of that's where I'm at on that one.
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. say
1: Groucho 12 with a question. The malaise of UM skunk badgers winning a CFB natty before Notre Dame has barely subsided. Uh, could Notre Dame offensive defensive line play next season? Hope to match uh, Michigan from this season. First of all, they didn't win a title before. I mean, before Notre Dame recently, I think. Okay, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I'm not going to nitpick it. That's a, that's a it's a fair point. I, I know the point you're making. Can they Can it? Yeah, can. Uh, defensive line wise, for sure. Can the offensive line be as good as Michigan's offensive line was? I'll say this. I think Notre Dame's offensive line in 2024, when it's at its best, can be every bit as good, if not better, than what we saw from Michigan's offensive line this past season. I don't think this Michigan offensive line was as good as previous Michigan offensive lines. It was good, but it wasn't as good. I mean, they weren't as good running the football as they were in the past. I mean, they were at like 159 or something like that coming into the season or coming into the postseason. Uh, They ended the year at only four and a half yards a carry. They only averaged 169.1 rushing yards per game this season. Now what they did was they stepped up when it mattered in the the last game of the year. They stepped up, but they only rushed for 66 against Iowa, only 130 against Bama, 156 against Ohio State, but they did it on 39 carries, only four yards a carry. They went for 227 against Penn State, 4.9 per carry. That was good. You know, 110 against Purdue, 120 against Michigan State, 3.9 yards per carry against Indiana, 4.9 against Nebraska. They weren't a great rushing team this year. They weren't a dominant offensive line this year. Notre Dame's offensive line can be far more dominant when it's on. What I think that that this unit will struggle to do compared to Michigan's lines is will they be able to play with the consistency that Michigan did. I don't know that that will be uh, – achievable this season just because of the youth now what I mean by consistency I am not talking about like what we saw this past year where you look great against Ohio State and you get your butt kicked the next week that's not what I'm talking about that's unacceptable I don't care how young you are unless you're putting five freshmen out there that's not excusable what I mean is they're good one week they're dominant the next they're good the next week, but there's just some technical mistakes. You gave up a couple pressures that you shouldn't have had because you had a couple blown assignments. You know, you had a couple more tackles for a loss than you'd like to. There just was some young guy inconsistency. So you were good, but you weren't dominant. Then the next week you're dominant again, and then you might like have one bad game in there. But it should never be bad because you weren't physical. That's what bothered me about this year's team. It's you got your butt kicked. It should never be that. I don't know if this team with with its youth will be able to be as consistently good as what the Michigan lines were in 21 and 22. But overall, I definitely think it can be better than the 23 Michigan offensive line for sure. Defensive line, that Michigan's D line was really good. Can this D line be that? Yeah, it can. They need Patelho to step his game up. They need the big end position with Burn Burnham and Oban to be to be every bit as good as it was last year. You do that with some of the young ascending players, it's got a chance to be that. It's not there yet, but it's got a chance to be that. Because Michigan, you know, I, I showed the numbers right earlier. Let's see if I if I still have them up here. I showed the numbers from earlier about the pass rush and, and where Notre Dame's pass rush is related to Michigan, right? The difference, however, between the two, let me pull this up here real quick and see if I can bring it back up again from what we were talking about earlier. The difference between the two, here we go. This is, this is that number. So I'll pull this up again. The difference between the two, so this is Michigan and Notre Dame, right? I, I showed this number earlier. And then you've got the number down here where you compare the two and let's blow that up. And if Notre Dame had the same number of of dropbacks that Michigan faced Notre Dame only had 429 same number of sacks way more hits way more pressures and all that type of thing right so I think Notre Dame had the advantage there but Notre- Michigan is not a defense geared towards putting up the numbers that Notre Dame had they don't trigger their linebackers as much but where their defense was really good is their D line was really good at, at stopping the run that's where their D line was pretty good and where they played at a very high level most of the time, held Iowa to 35, only gave up 107 to Ohio State, only 3.8 per carry, held Maryland up 15 yards, held Michigan to 49, Indiana 92, 77 for Rutgers, 61 for UNLV. Penn State went for 164. It was only on 4.7 yards per carry. Alabama went for 172. That was on 43 attempts, only four yards of carry. They were really good at shutting down the run. And Notre Dame's going to have to get better there. In order to be on that level, in my opinion. Iden Banami says, Is Jeremiah Love able to be successful running up the middle? If he is he too small to gain quality yards, not out in space? Yeah, I think so. You know, you weren't gonna have him do that 15, 20 times a game this year. But what's funny is Notre Dame primarily had him running as an inside zone guy this year and a duo guy. Uh, he he is a tougher kid than I than I thought he was going to be as a freshman. He was a little on the thin side, 193 to 195. He'll put on another good 5, 10 pounds of natural weight this offseason. He'll be fine there. Are you going to have him being a hammer? No, you're not going to have him being a hammer. But can you run inside zone and duo a lot with him? Absolutely. What I want to see with Jeremiah, and we'll have some breakdowns about this over the offseason, is I want to see them still use him as an inside runner, but mix up more stuff where he gets in space, whether it's jet sweeps out of 2021 personnel or out of empty personnel. Uh, You know, where you can basically run quarterback power read, you'll cue power read with 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 Riley Leonard, where, you know, Jeremiah is running the the sweep and then Riley's going to read the edge for the pull to either to either the gift on the jet sweep or the he's going to pull it and run quarterback power. There's a lot of things you can do like that that you couldn't do this year because of who you had a quarterback. That's not a knock on Sam Hartman. You just you didn't have a guy that could run quarterback power. If you don't run quarterback power with Sam Hartman this year, I'd have called you a bad coach. It's not really what you want to do. You can do those things, but also just you know running some toss-type st- stuff and just doing some things where you're going to let him get outside and use his vision and speed and explosiveness. You got to mix it up. But I think he's more than capable of running up the middle. You, you're not going to want to do it what, what, like the way Notre Dame did with Chris Tyree in 2022 where all you do with him is inside zone duo. You don't want to do that. But could, could two-thirds of his runs be inside zone of duo? Yeah. And then the other third is is Jets and outside zones and toss sweeps. I'd I'd probably say 60-40, just because on some of those inside runs, if you're really good at mixing it up with him, some of those inside runs are going to go. He's not going to get hit. He's going to house it, you know, because that inside zone is going to be the bread and butter of what Notre Dame is going to be under Mike Dembrock, I believe, because that's what he's always been, his bread and butter. And I think Jeremiah could be a dynamic, dangerous zone runner, very dangerous zone runner. So could Jadarian Price, and so could Kedrin and Aeneas, and and Jabron Payne as well in also asks how do we expect rudolph to see who the better guards are this year when we he didn't see it that last year hope it's a fair competition what's a little bit different because there was a much bigger gap in experience last year than there is this year i mean sam pendleton was a freshman you know billy was a a a redshirt freshman who missed almost all of the fall within the previous spring i should say with an injury so uh, I mean it, it's a, it's a fair question i den it, it really is i just I, it's just different circumstances and he's now in year 2 he knows the players a little bit better so it, it's just a different situation and i'm i'm hopeful that he'll he'll allow that competition i don't care who wins it as long look if pat Coogan's a starting left guard this year because he earned it good good for him he'll be a better player than he was last year i just don't want him to be starting left guard because he's only because he's experienced that's where you can get into problems if you let them battle it out, he beats out Sam and he beats out Southern Abster and he beats out whoever else is in that competition. So be it. Good for him. He'll he'll have that job. It's kind of like you know the the quarterback battle next year when Riley Leonard leaves. I don't think Steve Angeli's going to win it. I just, but if he does, great. It means he's the best quarterback. As long as he wins it because he beat out those other guys, I, I don't really care who are the the guys that win these battles. As long as they win them in fair fights. And they had to earn it. That's all I care about. And and so, and so that's where we should all be. You know, be team this guy, team that guy. It's team Notre Dame. As long as the battles are legitimate and earned and not just err on the side of the veteran guy, even though the other guy's way better, then I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. We had a super chat down here from Andrew Gilmore. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. He says, great work on the pass rush stats. It was interesting. Will Sneed primarily be a pass rusher this year? Potentially, but they're gonna give Jalen an opportunity to seize hold of a more regular linebacker role. Last year, the reason Jalen was primarily a pass rusher is because he was their he was their nickel pass rusher. He was not really getting a lot of linebacker reps. This year that he's gonna at least in the spring and fall camp get an opportunity to earn either a starting job at linebacker or at least a rotation job at linebacker. So I think we'll see Jalen if he if he shows himself capable of handling that. As more of a an every down linebacker, more so than he was this past year. Even if he's just a rotation guy that let's say, you know, let's say Jack Lars, Jack Kaiser wins the Viper or the Will job and and Jaden Osbury's the rover, you're still, I think, gonna see Jalen getting number two reps at the one of those two positions. And or him at the very least. And then he would get those first and down rotation snaps, because I think we'll see a little bit more linebacker rotating next year. But he'll also get a chance to earn the Will job or the Rover job, one of those two, and be the starter as well. So he'll get that shot. But uh, if he's primarily a pass rusher next year, it means he got beat out a linebacker by somebody else, which, is, which could happen. It could happen. Salt T Virginia Peanuts says the Irish are ranked number six in sports Illustrated's way too early preseason t- rankings. Is that about right too high or too low and why I personally would say it's a little too high. That is done completely off of my gut. It is not based off of breaking down rosters and all those other type of things. And so just, just keep that in mind. Where where the reason and the reason I say that is when I look at the top 25, obviously you have um, Georgia, number one, I think Ohio State's number two, Texas is three, Oregon's four. They all deserve to be higher than Notre Dame. Right. Ole Miss is, is higher than them. They deserve to be higher, too. They were better last year. They won some big games. Notre Dame didn't. And they got they've got a lot of guys coming back, plus a lot of newcomers. Missouri's in the conversation for potentially being higher they've had some they played better at some big moments I still don't think we should be writing off Alabama just yet I mean yes they have not lost Nick Saban but they replaced him with a guy who had his team in the national championship game you know Penn State's going to be in the conversation there Florida State's in the conversation there so there's some teams to me that have a chance to be higher but to me uh, six to ten is really where I'm comfortable for Notre Dame my gut is probably closer to eight than six. But once I break down all the offseason stuff, I'm going to come up with kind of my own offseason top 25. I may say, you know what? Six was right. I don't think six is nuts. I think it's a fair ranking. I just think, to me, Notre Dame has more to prove than maybe a couple other teams on the schedule uh, and, and why I could see them you know, being higher than Notre Dame. Then they're still – I mean, how's Riley Leonard going to be in Notre Dame offense? How's this guy going to be? So there's still enough question marks where I could say, look, you want to have him eighth or ninth? Mm, That's fine. That's fair for me. They should not be out of the top 10. That's what I will say. There's no – like 10 is too low for me. I think eight, nine is as low as I can get. But 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 I could see six. I'm I'm comfortable with six, even though my gut tells me I'd probably have him a little bit lower. sloppy joe ass favorite bad shamrock series uniform design pinstripes versus syracuse or whatever that monstrosity was versus army in 2016 i've said this before i like the pinstripes in 2016 and i know a lot of people disagree with me on that but i really like the i really like them uh i i do i i the the mistake notre dame made with the pinstripes and, and i'm curious what you guys think about this in the chat I actually, if you just go from here on down, I love the jersey idea and I love the pinstripes. I mean, guys, you're playing in, no, in Yankee Stadium in a shamrock game. You're going to have an alternate uniform. I thought it was actually cool to have pinstripes on the jersey and then, on, I mean, on the, the pants and then on the sleeve. Where Notre Dame got it wrong, in my opinion, was the helmet. Because, yes, you are doing an ode to the Yankees, but you did that with the pants and the jersey. The helmet should have been gold. Because that's the ode. That's you, right? Us, we're Notre Dame. You've played in Yankee Stadium before. I mean, one of the greatest games of the of the first half of the twentieth century was that Notre Dame Army tie. Uh, You know, I think it was wasn't wasn't that one of the win one for the Gipper ones? Wasn't that against Yankee Stadium, maybe or at least against Army? But you had that great game against Army in Yankee Stadium. So you've played there before, just not recently. So you gave the ode to the Yankees with the jersey and the pinstripes. The helmet should have been gold. I think if they would have kept the gold helmet, then people would have loved, non-Red Sox fans would have loved those uniforms. I really thought the jersey and the pants were awesome. The mistake was the helmet. That was the big mistake. Now, they could have put like a, you know, if you wanted to have it a shamrock thing, it's like, that's fine, whatever. But, you know, put a, sham, you know, green shamrock on there. But the helmet should be Notre Dame. The jersey should have been about Yankee Stadium. That's what I think. But uh, the worst... I mean, the the was it 2013 Maryland? Was it? They just it was like a really ugly green jersey and like the helmet looked like the the dots on it, like the way that they did the helmet. You guys remember what like the kick kick balls when we were kids? You remember how like those little splotches all over it? That's what the helmet looked like—a gold kick ball with the ugly green jerseys. Those were not those were not good. The uh, try to think—the 16 Army uniforms were were bad. They were not good. They were not good. The 17, the 17 alternates for Navy, I didn't like a lot. I mean, and I, I look, they were trying to get a Newt Rockney era jersey. You're, you're, that's just not going to look great, right? It's just, it just not. But most of them have been I liked to some degree. But, yeah, that's my thoughts. USMA87 says, thoughts on the rumored Army game of 24. Army has only three qual- of games officially scheduled with dates right now. Is Notre Dame waiting on that to play out in your opinion? No. So, they, what I've been told is Army is going to be the opponent, but and it's going to be later in the year. They're just working out the, some other logistical stuff, which would make me think, you know, where you know, this is a guess. It's a guess on my part. Where is it going to be played? It's going to be a Notre Dame home game. It's going to be an Army home game. Is it going to be a Shamrock game? Is it going to be played in Yankee? Is it going to be played at Notre Dame? I mean, there's just, I think it's the, my guess is it's that kind of stuff, but I have been told that it is going to be Army. So, um, and and I would I would I would predict it's going to be one of the two November games. It would be my prediction that it'll be one of twos. And if I had to really guess, it would be that it'll be between before USC would be my guess. Also from USMA eighty-seven. What is your sense on where we are with the coaching carousel? Only two NFL teams still working on head coach. Feels like we are still a few a few weeks away. Uh, still we are we feels like we are a few weeks away still. Impossible. Again, I, I don't I don't know that I'm as concerned as some of you are about Notre Dame losing a coach this offseason. I'm not. I mean, now Golden maybe, but I feel for the most part this staff is going to stay intact. May, maybe Dylan McCullough as these new head coaches start filling out their staffs. But guys these guys like it here. They like being at Notre Dame. They do. And they're getting compensated for being at you know for being at Notre Dame. And and I I'm gonna tell you something right now. This doesn't mean a hill of beans. It's not predictive of what the season is going to be. It's not. But it says something that part of the reason I've been told by multiple people, you're not hearing these no-name coaches' names a lot with other staffs and NFL and those type of things is because they, they really like it here because I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like it. They're paying them and all that. But it really comes down to – they think this team has a chance to be really, really good next year. And if you're looking at it, and let's just use Coach McCullough or Coach Golden as the two guys that often get mentioned, Mike Mickens or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I could take a job this offseason, but what if we win it all next year? Or what if we go to the title game next year? Imagine the kind of job I could get then. That's something you got to think about when you're factoring in decision making process. So I've been, I've just been told. That that there's a lot of people on this team, this staff, and around the program that that just have felt from the minute the season was over with, like, dude, if we can get the if we can have success in the portal to fill some holes, this team's going to have a chance to be special in 24. Then they went out and got Riley Leonard and some of those other guys, and it just grew. So I think that's part of the reason. Like, you're not even hearing rumors of these guys going other places. Doesn't mean that's like like the the deal with um, uh, you know, like the deal with um, who was it? Uh, Brian Mason last year he wasn't looking to leave it's just it was the perfect job it was he's a he's from Indy he's a Colts fan they offered him a big salary like there was nothing Notre Dame was going to be able to do that was a unique situation there's there's not that thing out there right now for this team I mean if the Chiefs called and wanted to bring Dylan McCullough back I think he'd consider it he seems to love being with the Chiefs but outside of that I just I don't know that there's a lot of guys looking to jump ship I think they're really excited to be with where this team could be and barring just that right job coming open, I don't think they're going to have a, a ton of losses, if any. This is the question from Andrew Gilmore from earlier that I wanted to answer. And, and Andrew says, Brian, should Ty Willingham have gotten a year four? Obviously, he, re- he recruited okay. 25 was a good roster. See, that's you're a little younger, Andrew. So, so um, I can understand why you think that way. He, he had that one really good recruiting class in 2003. And that was a really, really good recruiting class. I mean, you had Brady Quinn, believe Ryan Harris was on that in that class. You had Jeff Samarja was in that class. Uh, believe Anthony Fasano was in that class. I'm gonna go back and pull it up. Here's here was that class. You had Brady Quinn, Travis Thomas, uh, Jeff Samarja, Chinnaman Dukeway, John Carlson was in that class. Uh, Fasano was the year before. You had uh, John Sullivan, Ryan Harris. You had Trevor Laws, Victor Abiyamari, Isaiah Gardner, and Ambrose Wooden. That was a really good class. I think I said John Selmer. Oh, and Tom Zibikowski from that class. That was Ty's first class. Uh, but there was a lot of guys on the roster that were already there. Raymond McKnight was already there. He wasn't recruited by Ty. Most all wasn't recruited by Ty. Anthony Fasano wasn't recruited by Ty. Uh, Derek Landry wasn't recruited by Ty. Chris Fromm wasn't recruited by Ty. But then you look at his 20, 2004 class, which was his second class, and it was not very good. You had David Walkie and Darren Bragg, quarterback. You did get Darius Walker, which is good. You had Justin Hoskins. Your offensive lineman was Chase Incarnito and John Cato, four linemen in two years. Your linebackers were Mo Crum, good player, and Abdel Banda. Your defensive ends were Ronald Talley, Justin Brown, and Brandon Nicholas, not great players. And your secondary class was Treg Duerson, Junior Jabby, Leo Farine, Anthony Vernagli, and Terrell Lambert. Not a lot in that. And then there comes the 2005 class, which was one of the worst Notre Dame classes I've seen. It was – actually, the 2004 was really bad. 2005, Charlie was able to salvage a little bit. But you had Evan Sharpley at quarterback. You had David Grimes and DJ Hoard are okay. You only had two offensive linemen again. Three-year period, he only signed six offensive linemen. Paul Duncan, Michael Turkovich, uh, the late Paul Duncan, Steve Smith and Scott Quinn at linebacker, Daryl Hand and Pat Coombs on the D-line, Ray Herring, and then you had David Brute and Kyle McCarthy. There just wasn't a lot. His, he did not recruit okay. He recruited poorly, which is why the 07 team was so decimated from talent standpoint because your two previous classes brought you almost nothing. And not only the results were bad, but he was a very lazy recruiter. I've told the story before. I was told this a number of years ago about how um, they had a five-star quarterback on campus during the summer. And when he got to campus, none of the coaches were there to meet him. A GA met him. And the, it got to the point where the AD, Kevin White, I was told, had to call Ty and tell him to leave the golf course to come back to see that kid. He was a very lazy recruiter. Um just didn't work players respected him as a man but i'm told they didn't respect him as a coach didn't respect the staff in a lot of ways like as people they were fine but they were just i've heard so many just horror stories about recruiting and not working and and they were just so clearly overwhelmed coaching wise and, and almost every big game they played they'd have like those anomaly games like it's so like O4 michigan was it 0- 03 Tennessee, 04 Tennessee? One of those years that had a big win at Tennessee. They were just so overwhelmed. And so, no, he did not deserve a fourth year. It was like there were some people pushing for that because they'd kind of gotten to this thing in recent decades where, you know, you get to year five and all that kind of stuff. But overall, it just, it was, it was not, it was not a great situation. It was, it was, you know, you had you'd, you had plenty of coaches that were had not made it to, to year five or even to year three, but it was so obvious that, that it was only going to get worse. And of course, Notre Dame also made the move from a timing standpoint because they wanted to get Urban Meyer. That didn't work out. Ended up going to Charlie Weiss. But if you think about it, if you got to remember Ty Willingham finished started his career eight and zero, and so people say, well, you know, hey, Ty Willingham had a had a, a you know a twenty one and fifteen record at Notre Dame. Started 8-0, which meant he went 13-15 and 15 after that 8-0 start. That that's not good. I mean, that that does not that does not warrant you to to get another year. And so he just um and just, you know, like I said, the losses were bad. Lost 38-0 to Michigan, lost by two touchdowns to Purdue, lost by 31 to USC, lost 37-0 to Florida State, lost 38 to 12 to Syracuse, and, and 04. You lost to BYU, you lost by 25 to Purdue at home, you lost to BC at home. Then you have that weird road went over Tennessee in 04. Then you lose at home to Pitt. Then you go on the road and get blown out by USC. I mean, they just weren't competitive. And it was very, the writing was clearly on the wall. This guy's not getting it done. And you've got a window to make a move. Because also if you didn't get if you didn't get Meyer, there were other guys that you could have landed, including Charlie Weiss. And so there were those guys as well. So he just uh, no, he didn't. He didn't deserve a year four. He didn't because like what would have happened to your point, Andrew? Is they would have wasted all that talent. in four. And you, you talk and again, you're looking at this retroactively as as a, a younger fan, and you look at you. Know, you think about how great Brady Quinn was under Charlie Weiss, but you forget how bad Brady was under Ty. In the two previous years, Brady had 26 touchdowns and 25 picks. A year before Charlie showed up, Brady as a freshman completed 47% of his passes, 54% of his passes in his second year. When nine touchdowns, 15 picks in year one, 17 touchdowns, 10 picks in year two, he doesn't jump out to 3,900 yards, 65% completions with a 32 to 7 touchdown interception ratio under Ty Staff. Just doesn't, just no way it happens. They weren't good enough to do that, in my opinion. But fair question, fair, fair question. All right, Big Licks Burner. Would you say the 2012 team was the last team to ever play for Kelly and Joe, he handled all? Oh, I'm not quite sure what you're asking. Um, I think I know the first part. I don't know the second part. The first part, I think what you're saying is, was that the last team that really played for Kelly? Because we've heard a lot of stories. We've shared some here. I know Malik has shared some at uh, Lucky Lefty where in like 15 and 17 they were playing for each other they didn't respect kelly they don't like kelly they they did like matt bayless they didn't like some of the coordinators they were playing for themselves the leadership was like hey we're gonna do our thing we know the coach doesn't have our back the 2012 team wasn't that way in my opinion so i i think there's merit to that i'd have to think more about that but i, I think i think there's some merit to that comment i really do Real estate 2024, what do you think of NCAA NIL violation investigations against Tennessee? This is very weird to me, and just typical, just ignorance from the NCAA. You're basically retroactively going back to try to hammer Tennessee, according to reports, for the contract they offered NICO. And my whole thing is, had you immediately said, we're going to look into this, not even done anything, just said we're looking into it. Immediately started looking into the Jaden Rashada thing that would have stopped a lot of this. But what happened, and, and I've been told this, and you're reading people saying they're talking to coaches, was when those things started happening, the NCAA did nothing, nothing. So coaches or teams were like, Hey, they're not going to do anything about this, and this team's doing it, so now we got to do it. And then it started this snowball. If they would have stepped up right away and said, Hey, that doesn't sound right. We're looking into that to make sure that's up on the up and up. And hey, this Rashada thing doesn't sound right. We're gonna look into this to make sure it's on the up and up and make sure it's actually what NIL is supposed to be. We're gonna look into this. Then you 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 would have seen teams say, Oh, hold on a second, let's see how this investigation goes out before we start offering this kind of deals. So I now you're doing it two years in. Why? Like, I mean, I get why I'm being sarcastic. Why weren't you here when it started? Why didn't you do this when you started? Now you're trying to put the genie back in the bottle when in reality you should have stepped up and started to try to do this right away. But once again, you know, it's a lack of lack of uh, leadership. Now, what I also think, too, is I also believe that this is posturing a little bit by the NCAA and and, uh, kind of seeing what they can what they can do. So there's a lot. There's some games to this as well, but it's just it's too little too late, in my opinion. And what's gonna happen is they're gonna hammer in Tennessee. Tennessee's gonna sue, and they're gonna go to court, and it's you know, you're gonna find out the NCAA they don't have to listen to the NCAA. So they gotta be careful with how they do this as well, in my opinion. So that is gonna do it for this I'm going to check and see if there's anything else here we got one from Titus what does Jordan Patel have to do to improve his play in 2024 he seems to get involved in hand fighting and trying to overpower tackles instead of using his quickness and speed do you agree at times at times I think for him it's just about him getting to the point where I I it's it's I'm having trouble answering this, Titus, because it's a different thing for different games. I, because like, And then like, when he does use quickness and speed, he goes too high. It's just, I think, number one, he has to expand his pass rush repertoire. It's like all or nothing. It's either speed too high or power right through. He's got to have developed more moves. I do think there's something to he was a little tighter this year. I do think maybe he put on a little bit more weight than he should have. I expect that to be changed a little bit with the new strength. I think Jordan Tell could be one of the guys that has the greatest benefit from the new strength program. I do. And that's why I shouldn't because we've seen been here before. But he's just one of those guys I'm like, man, I just have a feeling he could be one of those guys that makes a big jump this year because of a, a redone body. Now, he's got to put in the work too. That's always been a big knock on Jordan is to see him the focus to do the things he needs to do to improve his game. But, um, you know, that's that's gonna be an interesting one. But I do think there's some talent there. I do think that he's gotta improve his resume, his repertoire. He's gotta play with a more consistent motor. He's gotta be more violent, in my opinion, with his hands. Like you talk about, you know, fight hand fighting. I don't and even then I don't think I don't want to see hand fighting. I want to see you use your leverage to get up underneath the tackles pads and drive his butt back into the dang quarterback. Almost cussed twice there. I'm sorry, I got fired up a little bit. It's just those type of things that I want to see more from him, and then, and then when you do that, have counter moves off of that. You know, have that move where you come and you spin out, or you take that hard edge speed rush and you spin back inside, or you jab back inside. You know, come vertical, get that pack tackled overset, and then then get your inside arm and throw him out of the way and get to the quarterback. He's got the tools to do all those things. We've seen it in flashes. The question is, because he, can he do it consistently? That's the big question, and he's going to have to prove it. The tools are there. He's never gonna be. I don't. Well, I shouldn't say never. I don't think he's gonna be an Isaiah Foskey type of pass rusher, but I think he's got the tools to be a guy that could could do some damage, in my opinion. So, but it's just expanding his role, playing with a more consistent motor, using the skills he does have better to his advantage, and trying to said, so don't be like Isaiah Foskey, be Jordan Pitolho. I think those are all gonna be good things, be important things, and uh, he's just got to finish. That's the other thing. He's just got to finish. He he actually started the season off pretty well in the run game. He did. He brought nothing as a pass rusher all year. And that's the thing is, and then by the end of the year he wasn't doing any of it well, so I, you know, there's a lot that needs to be worked on there, and it's not just about using quickness and speed, that's a part of it, but there's a lot more to it than that. But very, very good question, Titus. That's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you guys. This was a, I enjoyed myself today. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the the content and the way that I laid it out. I'll be back Thursday for a solo show. Uh, where I'll, I'll do sort of offseason preview position, offseason overview of a position. And then uh, I'll talk about the defensive recruiting class. And, you know, there might be some other topics kind of pop up uh, from here to there. And then tomorrow, Ryan and I'll be back. We'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow. We'll figure we're not sure what our topics going to be. We're going to have a lot to talk about tomorrow. And then, of course, Friday recruiting show. It'll be Sean and Ryan are going to be back on Friday for recruiting show. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. RTCF is going to come back at some point. In time. not sure when that's going to be. It won't be this weekend. Uh, we're going to be getting ready to our house ready for the demolition and all the stuff that's going to be happening this weekend. So uh, not going to be able to do it then, but we will get started on that here very soon. Sean and I have already started talking about a lot of different topics. Uh, we're trying to get some equipment stuff worked out. So we got a lot planned for you all this offseason. I'm telling you, not just for this show and some of the things we're going to do here at, on on the podcast. We're definitely going to do a lot here and, and alter some things and get different type of content. But also a lot of things we're going to start doing for the message board over the next six to eight months that I'm excited about and just looking forward to getting going. So anyway, hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Give us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate that. And of course, if you have not done so, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Have a great day, everybody. And we'll see you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>